do that out of that place of joy that we were just in, in celebrating Jesus, in celebrating the life we have in him, let's now pray and bring our tithes and offerings. Yeah, again, Jesus, you are life. You are everything to us. And you provide for us, we've celebrated that and we've sung that just now, that you provide for us all our needs. You're just faithful time and time and time again. And so out of that heart of gratitude and in worship to you, we come, we bring in our, our tithes and offerings this morning. And it is our great prayer that all that we give would expand your kingdom in our region, in our um, nation and beyond to the world, Lord. Bring your kingdom through what's given this morning, we pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing again in our lives, in your name. Amen. If you do need to use the FPOS machine, it's up the back with some instructions. You can just head up there. Um, bank details are there. Or there's also a box up the back you can drop cash in if you'd like to do it that way. Oh, it's so good to hear the kids' voices in here this morning. I love it. It's a sign of life that are going on around us. So, the kids, it's time for you to go out to, to jive to this morning and jive up, I believe, is on. I can see two young riffraff people have their uniforms on, ready to go. They're pretty good looking riffraff, but <laughs> yeah, let's pray for the children this morning as they head out and jive uppers. If you want to head up and find Jacob and Caitlin, they'll be up the back as well with you. Lord, thank you again for the gift of children in our lives. Thank you that we get to see you through them and they teach us how to approach you with their, with their faith and their joy in life and, and just abounding love that they, they show time after time. Just bless them, we pray this morning. Let your resurrection life and power flow through them and may they understand how much you love them even at this young age come and be really evident in their lives we pray in jesus name amen amen all right i think that's it for me yes dave hockey is going to read some scripture for us welcome dave all yours mate thanks mate all right i'm going to read from luke chapter 24 verse 1 now just imagine how, how good was it Waking up this morning after Friday, bright and fresh, how cool, yeah. That's a good Easter Sunday morning today. Imagine the disciples, traumatised and afraid, they've just witnessed the torture and murder of their leader, the king that they've come to believe in. And in Luke chapter 24 is where we pick up the story. Verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes gleamed, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the apostles with them who told this to the apostles. 
But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I'm going to do that walk one day. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. We'll go together. That'll be something. So they were walking to Emmaus. It's only seven miles. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What a story. Come on up, Kirk. I'm not preaching, I'm just setting the scene. That's a true story. (laughs) That just frames it up. Lord, we thank you for our brother, and we look forward to hearing what you have to share with us today through Kirk. We thank you for the way that you inspire him, even with everything that's going on. You never fail to bless him with a word, and through him to bless all of us. So bless him now, and bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dave. So, mate, if you can just do a bit of research on that trip, that'd be great. All right? Anyone else that wants to come along, you're more than welcome. All righties. Um, hey, Christ is risen. Actually, you know, one of the things about the early followers of Jesus is that they had a lifestyle that was a confession of their faith. And, and faith, according to the Apostle Paul, comes by hearing. There's something that takes place when you hear the words spoken from someone's mouth, it's the overflow of the intelligence of their heart coming out through their mouth. And as it lands on the ears of anyone that would have the humility to listen to those words, it brings life. And so this morning, it's really important that our mouths and our ears are very comfortable with both proclaiming and hearing the good news that Christ is risen. And so as, as I'm just going to articulate that to you one more time, and I invite you, as it lands on your ears, 
that your heart and mouth might respond. Today, folks, we celebrate that Christ is risen. Amen. Amen, he is. Hey, this is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday for the follower of King Jesus. It's a day of incredible worth. It's a day of high high value in our faith journey. It's a day of high importance. It's so high, in fact, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. He said that this is his message of first importance, that Christ was crucified and resurrected. So often we, we kind of <clears throat> take the story or the invitation to salvation and we leave it there at the cross. We don't actually go um, through the cross into the grave and then beyond the grave. One of the things that um, uh, we, as good evangelicals, is we invite people to come to the cross, to have their sin forgiven in the generous work of Jesus on the cross. And this is a rightful and first important step. But at the same time, Paul would call on those, anyone who has made that first step toward the cross, to realize that on the other side of the cross is a risen Christ. So this morning when we were singing these songs, we're not singing them to a Jesus on the cross. We're not singing them to a a crucified Jesus there on the cross. We're actually singing them to a crucified, resurrected Jesus who, who is now ascended and seated at the right hand of God. That's who we're singing to this morning. But it is through the cross that we worship Him. We come to Him. But today we celebrate both the death and the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's a day where we, by faith, give ourselves to the centrality and the reality of that which is fundamentally the highest part of our confession, that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then the Twelve and to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, according to Paul in the Scriptures, and that He has, in fact, appeared to many of us seated right here in this building, here at Pine Rivers Vineyard, and in many of at the extension of our lives. Christ is walking He is alive. He is not dead. He is a living King. So today, as the people of the risen Jesus, we are invited to bind ourselves again to our highest confession. We're invited to bind ourselves to this statement of faith as to the person and work of Jesus. Today, as the people of the risen Jesus, we are also invited in this moment to declare afresh our statement of life and living, that in everything we do, that in everything we think, that in everything we pray and say and express in our daily going out and coming in, it would flow from this relationship that we have with the risen Jesus. Everything is called into question today and into new life. We confess that Jesus is risen and he is risen as Lord. And it's as Lord that we're invited into. We declare that our daily life 
is fueled, informed, and authored by his lordship. We heard the gospels read to us this morning. Luke's account. Luke was a doctor. He took great time and detail to to investigate and find out everything in his first writings in the gospels and then in his second series of books there in the Acts of the Apostles. He was a he was a person of thorough invest of thorough investigation. And so he's not just making up a glib story. He's doing the work of the, you know, the um, forensic scientist. He's done the work. He's interviewed the people, the who was who in the zoo at the time. And he took great effort to make sure all detail was accounted for. Jesus, living, dying, and rising again, had profound impact this morning, that gospel reading is one of my favorites. I always come back to it, not just on Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, but through the course of the year, I visit it quite often. And I encourage you to tuck that one away, just in your little go-to section, when life is challenging you and things are tough. Because one of the things that Jesus does is he loves to come up alongside and walk with people even in their hardest moments, their darkest moments, or their most oppressive moments. He comes and walks alongside. And in fact, the book of Revelations, John tells us, John the Revelator, he tells us that Jesus comes and walks among the churches. Jesus loves to walk with his people. And in fact, he's even walking in this room right now. Some of us are today having a profound encounter with him, be it a uh, an, an argument in our mind is coming down under his goodness. Be it that the, the um, you know, the pride of our own sort of self-defense mechanisms of our emotions are just being yielded under this grace and this generosity of God towards us in Jesus. He's walking among us. He's touching us with his grace and his love. I want to read to you also this morning just a little bit out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you've got your Bible there, open it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul writing though. Wow, it's a bit windy out there today. And we can go on to um, yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read this section to you. Starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. In other words, for these guys, for Paul to say, take your stand, for these guys that he's writing to in the early church, these first followers of Jesus in their communities of the kingdom, that it was a costly thing for them to say that they acknowledged that Jesus was risen from the dead and that he was their Lord because they were shifting their, all of their allegiances, spiritual, financial, and, and, um, and political, out from underneath the rule and reign of Caesar and they were giving it to Jesus. And when they were saying, I'm giving Jesus lordship of my life, they were putting their lives at risk. It's something that we're not particularly familiar with or have a, a good grip or an understanding of. But for them... Paul real, Paul's saying, hey, you guys are taking a really significant decision and stand here to give your life over to the Lordship of Jesus. He says, by this gospel, you have been saved. And if you hold for, firmly to the word I preach to you, 
Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or his name's Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, Paul's talking about himself here, and don't even deserve to be called an apostle, but because I persecuted the church of God. Pre-Jesus, pre-Jesus, pre-meeting Jesus, Paul was the guy that was busy about murdering anyone who said that they belonged to Jesus. And he was doing it, what he thought, in the name of God. But then Jesus interrupted him. And so Paul understands this grace, this incredible mercy that, that God would reach into a life like his and turn it around for the sake of his kingdom and his glory in the world. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the, that's a positive confession. You've got to hear that. That's not a negative. That's, see, we tend to make self-deprecating statements over ourselves. Oh, you know. I can only do this because that's, by, the, by God I am, that's what I am. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's making a positive declaration of the grace of God over his life. You know, that was a beautiful thing that we did this morning when we sang that last song. I see the evidence of your love all over my life. That's, a, that's like Paul saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm this person that's standing here with you and around you and doing life with you to say, look at who I once was, but now look at who I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's a positive confessional statement. Now, I'm not into, that's not going to save you by making saying the right key words. Jesus saves you. Jesus saves you, but one of the fruits of his saving work in you is that you're able to no longer be bound to self-deprecating and self-oppressive um, statements over oneself and over others, but that you can step into the joy of making a realised statement that his grace has had effect on my life. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, and yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Um, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, when we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And... Um, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sin. You're still stuck. 
You're still lost. You're still a long way from home and you'll never find your way. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people, uh, of all the people, most to be pitied. That's if Christ has not been raised. Then Paul goes on and he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's the first fruit of all those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam we all die, so in Christ we are all made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. <clears throat> One of the things that perhaps we don't understand is that Jesus, as a good Jew, was living out the long story of God. The good story of God's saving plan for his whole world all through the Old Testament there. And as part of that story, Jesus descended to the dead. Did he descend to hell? No, he descended to the dead. Hell wasn't made at that point. Hell doesn't come for a little while yet. But he descended to the dead. And the Jewish understanding of the, the place of the dead is where everybody went when they died. It was like this listless place, this, this place of um, nothingness, but at the same time, it was kind of this place of suspension. And Jesus, when he dies, he has to go there to the dead. And then we see what happens when Jesus on the third day rises again. All of a sudden, some of those people who are in the place of the dead rise from their graves and start running around telling people, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And then Jesus, in his ascension to the throne of God, um, some um, number of days later, those who were raised from the dead ascended with him in his train and are now with him in ruling in the heavens. Now, one of the joys and one of the wonderful promises of the work of Christ for the friends or the person that believes in Jesus is that we, when we die, we don't go to the place of the dead. We are caught up in the resurrection of Jesus and we go straight to be with him where he's ruling and reigning. Now, for those who choose to not welcome Christ in this life, they remain in that place of the dead until the day that he comes and judges all things. And at which point in time, there is, as the Revelations tells us, there is a place where all of those who choose not to welcome Christ and his saving grace and work, there is a place that they go and it's a lake of fire and there they will be. Where that is exactly, I can't tell you. The scriptures don't give us enough of a, of a, of a detailed information as to where that actually pinpoint is. But it is a place that where God is not and the generosity of the risen Christ is not. And there they spend their eternity. The resurrection from the dead, Jesus brings us alive to him. 
one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he invites us all to have another opportunity of living this life. Jesus breaks into our life and he empowers us to live again, but to this time, live it on his terms. That we can now live no longer held by sin, no longer held by shame, no longer under the um, opinions of others. And this beautiful scripture here from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he says it so beautifully. He says, at last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. You see, when he's talking here about the risen Jesus who has encountered his life, he's actually touching on the word as one abnormally born. That word in the Greek really means miscarriage. Paul's saying, my whole life has been a miscarriage. I've missed my true purpose as to what life is meant to be. I've, 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 I've stuffed up, I've messed up, I've made a meal of truly understanding what it means to be a human being that's alive to the grace of God and dead to sin. He says, I, I've, my life has been a miscarriage, and yet in all of the miscarriage of his life, Jesus still comes to him and sees him worthy of grace, sees him worthy of salvation, sees him worthy to have another go at living this life in this age in the earth. You see, Jesus' love and presence is an invitation not only to Paul and his sense of a life of a miscarriage. He comes to you and to me where we feel like we've had our greatest failures, our greatest sense of miscarriage, our greatest sense of having missed what we're truly meant to be. And he comes to us as well and he says, have another go at living this life, but now live it on my terms. Live it under my grace. Let it have effect. To have another go at the relationships that we've failed at, the relationships with our spouse, the relationships with our children, the relationships with our community, and even those we can't stand a bar of. To have another go at living according to this grace. To have another go of learning to live a life of obedience, of faith and trust. To have another go at seeing sin and addiction broken and conquered. To have another go at living each day with a sense of relevance and purpose and identity. And to have another go at walking out from the prisons of our historical and present failures and pains. Like Jesus, when Jesus said in John 3, 7, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Today is the day of all days. Today is the day where we remind ourselves or we're coming alive to it for the very first time that God invites us to live a different life because Jesus has risen from the dead and he now lives. Today is the day where all of the powers of darkness have been conquered and overcome, where sin and death have been broken and we can come to a fresh place of humility and just honestly say, man, what a miscarriage of a life I've lived. But because Jesus lives, I can now live a new life. 
It's a humble request. It's a simple prayer. It's the, it's the pursuit of someone that realizes that Jesus is offering me something that I could never craft for myself. Jesus is inviting me into something here that is beyond my scope of capability. It's beyond my best, um, you know, efforts. It's pure grace. It's beyond me. And yet I'm being invited into it. I remember the day that I prayed this kind of a prayer when I met with Jesus. He, he came and he interrupted my life when I was at full speed in the other direction. And yet he interrupted my life. He broke in. He broke through. His love said, listen, mate. And he grabbed my heart and he said, let's try it again and let's live it on my terms. And at that point, this grace, this love, this power, this authority, this Jesus looked me dead in the eye and my life in a split moment was transformed. Grace invaded my heart. The, uh, the, the darkness, the, 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 the arrogance, the pride, the, the unwillingness to yield, it just broke through. And it said, come on, let me set you free. And he waited for me in that moment. And in that moment, by the grace of God, that was without, not without effect, took hold of my life. And in the kindness of God, he waited for the sensibilities of me in that moment to realize, Jesus is good news for my life. And he's good news for your life. And he's good news for your children and your grandchildren and thereafter into every generation. He is good news. It's a simple prayer that I prayed and it was, you know, I'd just written it out here with a few of word, Paul's words in it. Oh God, my life, it's been such a miscarriage and I need you to come and rescue me and heal me. Jesus, with your resurrection power, love and grace, I want to be born again. I want to have another go at living this life. A full life, a Jesus-centered, faith-filled, victorious life. Please forgive me. Set me free from all the sin, all the shame, guilt and condemnation of my choices and actions. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm now your son. Let my life be a story of your goodness, your glory and a blessing to others. Now, some of you have maybe prayed that prayer once. Some of you may pray it every day. I think it's a good prayer to pray every day, to be honest. Pray it every day. But this morning, some of you might be coming alive and awake to the good news that, that Jesus is your King for the first time. And there may be some of us in this room who are also coming alive to that reality of Jesus walking in this room again. Now, to those of you who have already been saved, let me say this to you. For those of you who have already come into the kingdom of God by giving over lordship of your life to Jesus as the Christ, as the resurrected one, for those of you who've been baptized and by faith into the death and resurrection of Jesus, you do not need to be born again. What you experience on a daily basis is the testimony of your baptism, that is alive in you, 
calling you, reminding you, banging on the door of your heart saying, remember, Christ lives in you. It's the testimony of your baptism awakening you to the truth of who Jesus already is in your life. And yet, by, by our own choices and silliness, we've allowed to become dulled and grey and, and fade into the background because of all sorts of anxieties or pursuits or grand and lofty ideas that are born out of our own need for control rather than the generosity of His goodness. Listen to your baptism this morning for those of you who have received Christ. Listen to your baptism. May you be reminded by the Holy Spirit today of that day that you went into the tank, you went into the water, you went into the bathtub, you went into the ocean or the local pool or wherever it was that you went and you went under the water and by faith you identified with the, with the death of Christ and you were buried in the earth. And you went to the place of the dead with him by faith, and yet you didn't remain there. You came up out of the water, resurrected and alive and a new creation, because that's who Jesus is and the work he invites you into. Listen to your baptism. Listen to your baptism. Dust off that little certificate you got whenever it was that you were baptized in Christ. Go home, find it, dig it out, dust it off. Slap it back up on the fridge so that tomorrow morning when you go to get your milk to put on your Wheaties or whatever it is that you eat, you are reminded again and again and again, Christ lives in you. And if only the church would live out our baptism, because our baptism is our true confession of faith, it's not just words, it's a life lived. It's what happens when we get up out of the water. It's what happens when we come alive to Christ in the power of his life. All of a sudden, the way we want to treat people is different. The way we want to use this money that is in our hands, we don't want to just treat God like here's the spare change. No, we're realizing this whole darn thing is a gift from God. How am I meant to use this to extend God's good news kingdom into the earth so that others might get set free, so that the poor would be fed, so that the demonized would get set free? How, Lord, how can I use this resource to invest in, in the work of your kingdom in places and nations where I don't understand their language and they're, they're under oppression and under all sorts of oppressive evil works? How can I put my money to work there, Lord? Oh, God, let your baptism come alive in me. Those of you who've been saved and baptized, listen to your baptism this Easter. You are feeling the testimony of your relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is reminding you once again of who you truly are. For the follower of Jesus wanting to have another go, listen to that baptism. Listen to it. Jesus invites us to have another go. I love that about Jesus. I think he was an Australian. Have another go. Have another go. Have another go. This is the good news of God that we get to have another go. Let's jump onto that next, next slide there. Thanks. Jesus' resurrection brings an opportunity for everyone to have another go at living, but this time with Jesus as king not as some sort of spiritual add-on or value add, but that, no, we've sacrificed our life so that his, his life might come alive in us and through us. 
Jesus' resurrection also invites us to living out of the power of the testimony of our baptism. And the last thing I want to make a point of is this, is that Jesus, his resurrection, invites us into living in a comprehensive victory. A comprehensive victory. Many of us are familiar with all sorts of sporting events and rhetoric and so forth. And sometimes teams, when they play each other out on the fields, it's almost like one team turned up and the other didn't. It was so comprehensive was the victory of the team that won. Unlike Brisbane last night. But anyways. But we've seen these moments where all of a sudden the team that won, they didn't just win. But they, they actually took the other team and completely drove it into the ground. So comprehensive was their victory. And when it comes to Jesus going to the cross, Paul actually a little bit further on in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, uh, 57, I didn't read it. He, he, he says this, he says, Thanks be to God because he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying here, God is establishing in this world and in our life such a thorough, comprehensive work that grubs and breaks the power of evil and darkness and, and the human condition. He completely grubs it and comprehensively conquers it and establishes a new way to live life. Paul says... Thanks be to God that he gives us this kind of comprehensive work of God. A complete grounding and grubbing of the kingdom of darkness and the human condition. And gives us a new life. There's a, there's a, um, the next slide, thanks. C.S. Lewis, he said this in his book, Miracles. He said, the New Testament writers, they speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the quote-unquote first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. Just let that sink in there for a second. Everything is different. The new, I'm just going to read that again one more time over us. The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievements in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole of, uh, of the universe, whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man, Adam. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death everything is different because he has done so paul said it in those words by the grace of god i am what i am 
and his grace to me was not without effect. Everything is different because Jesus is risen from the dead. If Jesus is risen from the dead, we have hope. We have hope that this, this life that we live has meaning right now. The grave, the grave mistake of the, of the church for many years has believed that this is only a message for when we die and go to heaven. It's a grave mistake because that's a big part of the story, but it's not the only story. Everything is different means we come alive to the resurrection of Christ now in this world, answering the very prayer of Jesus that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it was, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth right now, even as it is in heaven. Even as it is in heaven. Let this reality where everyone has to get up and put their shoes on, left foot, right foot, or whichever order you do it on every day. It's in that world for this kingdom has come for. And we've been saved up into that. That God's at work in the earth today. Our life has meaning. Our daily, what we think is doldrums, is actually the cutting edge front line of where the effect of this grace of God is breaking through your life and mine and touching the world with the resurrection hope of Jesus and making all things new. Now, if you spend enough time in the TV and watching the news and listening to your Facebook feeds and all of the rubbish that just keeps on coming through 24-7, non-stop and relentless, you will end up depressed and dark and in a very lonely place. But if you pull your head out of that and put your head into what Jesus is doing every day in touching, healing, bringing hope and restoration and setting people free and healing marriages and setting children, you know, and their faith alive to God, seeing um, our schools touched with people who feel called by God to become teachers and equippers, to seeing nurses going into hospitals and with the touch of their hand, extending the kindness of God's kingdom and healing power, that through the work of, of simply choosing that for 20-something years here at Vineyard Pine Rivers, we chose not to invest in air conditioning because we wanted to feed the poor. Because we wanted to feed the poor. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, we praise God that in his generosity and his kindness, we now have air conditioning after 20-something years. I'll be the first to say, thank you, Jesus. I lost a lot of sweat in this building. And I thank God for the comfort of this beautiful, cool air conditioning. But the reason why we had to wait so long until such a time is because God has said, I want that, that little bit of cash that you guys have held in the bank, spend it on the poor. And so we did. We bring the kingdom. Everything is different. And everything that stands in our face that says, in opposition to that, we can look at it with the eyes of faith, with through the risen Christ, and we can look at it and says, that can be different. You can be different. Your circumstances can be changed. And that's, just, that's not a positive confessional statement, 
that's due to the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, people came up out of their grave, and that's not meant to happen till the end of the end. Because the end of the end is already happening right here and now. There are people being resurrected from the dead. If you listen to enough evangelists that are working around the world, you will see that there are people coming alive out of graves every day. But we don't see it because we're not game enough to go and stand at the grave and tell them to come back to life. We're too scared to ask God to deal with a headache in case we might look silly. Come on. Jesus Christ is alive. His kingdom is at work. He's answering the prayer that he's equipped us to pray. Your kingdom come, Lord, on the earth, just like it is in heaven right now. For everyone that we know that's battling with all sorts of mental illness and conditions, that they might be healed and set free. That we will knock and we will knock and we will knock on the door because that's what the disciples do. They just keep knocking on the door and saying, hey, we need more. We need more. We need more. That's our prayer. Everything can be different. Where you feel bound and stuck, where you feel like there's no hope, this is who I am, this is what I'm stuck with, This is my lot. This is the way it will be. Let me tell you today, in the name of the resurrected Jesus Christ, that can be changed, whatever that is in your circumstance. That is not the Lord. Jesus is. Everything can be changed, and ultimately, everything will be changed. Every area of our personal life, every area of our life in our family, in our church, in our work, every area of our community and region, our nation and world. We can see sin, death, sickness and brokenness and pain all come off people's lives because we are the people of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And we are able to walk confidently into every situation, whatever the situation is that you're in right now. The one that's yelling at you right now saying there's no hope for that. You can walk confidently into that circumstance, situation and relationship knowing that the risen Christ who broke death, who unlocked the door, the one who is alive and ruling and reigning is with you right there in that space. And there is a time coming when death will be completely grubbed once and for all. And we look forward to that day, don't we? We look forward to that day. In the meantime, though, let's just go to the last page, if we could. On the last page, N.T. Wright, he says this, The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ, and now you are invited to belong to it. You're invited to belong to it. So this morning, if you would like to belong to this new world, through Jesus, if you would like to live in that world, 
I invite you this morning to join me as we pray by just standing where you are and we're going to pray together. If you would like to live in that new world unveiled in Jesus, we're going to pray together, but just stand where you are. Let's just close our eyes and let Jesus meet with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your um, presence in this room. I thank you that you're, you're risen and walking among us, even as you did with the Ephesians church, and even as you did with those two people on the road in Luke's gospel, Luke 24. I thank you that you're calling, you're drawing, you're inviting, you're evoking relationship with you this morning. We see in you, Jesus, the risen one, an invitation to living life on, on different terms, on, in a different way. And so we just, come, we just come to you now and we say, here we are. Here we are. Meet with, meet with me, Lord. Meet with me, Jesus. And I ask, Lord Jesus, with all sincerity, that this moment, would not be one that's in vain. I'm coming to you honestly, Lord. I'm asking that you, Lord Jesus, your presence would, would have effect, your grace would have effect in me, in my life. And, and that not, not just in me, but like through me, like through me, let my life become like a conduit, like a, like a stream, like an open, an open river, just that my life would just somehow be, become free and flowing and, and generous with your love and your lordship. And even as you do that in me and through me today, Lord Jesus, I'm bringing to you the names of everyone that's on the forefront of my mind and my heart today. I'm going to put my 